Welcome to the revolution. Hello and welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. I am your host. And today we are going to be having some very interesting discussions. I appreciate you listening from the bottom of my heart. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Today we are going to be talking about some conspiracy world related things. Some things like uh, chemtrails, which allegedly didn't exist until this article came out yesterday, making it real. And then also UFOs which allegedly didn't exist until they started to tell us that it exists. And both of those categories told you you were crazy for thinking it. And now we know you weren't. They just wanted to make you feel like you were crazy, even though they knew all of these things were happening the whole time, because our government is basically an abusive spouse who's a psychopath and a sociopath at the same time. So now that we know that, we know that we can start to look at everything else that we've questioned and know that maybe there's a little bit of a truth to it. Maybe not the whole thing, but maybe a little bit. But they're going to call you crazy until 35 years down the road, and then they're going to release evidence showing that you were right and start calling you crazy about other things that they don't want you talking about. So at least now we know their playbook. (laughs) So we'll discuss that. We're also going to look at Joe Biden's student forgiveness uh, platform for the student loan forgiveness, which... He may or may not have the power to do, which he's starting to get some pushback on now, which we'll discuss also, and also why he would potentially be doing that. Um, And then the last thing we're going to discuss is Mark Zuckerberg, the world's first AI robot running a company, (laughs) is uh, one on the Joe Rogan podcast in seemingly a PR stunt to get people back onto his platform because Lord knows Facebook has been bleeding out for a very long time and losing all its users because it sucks. Yes, you got it right. It sucks. So we're going to talk about all those things. They also talk about some censorship issues, some things about the Hunter Biden laptop, some some interesting discussions here. I have the audio. We'll listen to some of them. We'll discuss them and we will go from there. But while I got you here, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Uh, Glance down at your phone because I know it's right next to you or it's in your hand already. Just glance down at it. There's a little oval, maybe a box, an oval. Yeah, look at right. Yep, that one. Click that button. Make sure you're subscribed. And then the next thing I needed to do is head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave a five-star review. I appreciate it so much from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate it. So make sure you're subscribed. If you didn't just subscribe, when I asked you to subscribe, subscribe now. So when I ask you the next time, you don't feel so bad on the inside, like you're supposed to do something and you didn't do it. Just click it and then I'll stop asking you. But I I might not, but at least you'll feel better when I do. I don't know. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you so much. And let's jump into it. Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission. A mission to retrain and re-educate myself. 
to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain. And I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. All right. Again, thank you so much for listening. This is episode number 41 of the Red Pill Revolution podcast. The very diverse discussion we're going to have is about UFOs. So there was a recent article that came out, and by recent, I mean last week, August 23rd. 2022 that says Congress admits UFOs are not man-made and says that threats are increasing exponentially. Concerned anybody? Because I know I am a little bit with the whole UFO stuff. I'm, I'm also like, maybe I'm just too deep in this where I start to question myself questioning or not questioning UFOs because the government's telling me not to question them. I don't know. It seems like an interesting conversation to have whether or not we sh- we should or should not you know, take this at face value, especially after they called you crazy for so many years while also simultaneously experimenting on alleged aircraft and uh, scenes that sites that uh, have been seen by people of aircraft and you know all of the CIA documents that you've seen come out for decades upon decades upon decades of them. Uh, basically um, interviewing people and taking these things very seriously while simultaneously uh, making people seem crazy for asking questions about them for a very, very long time. Um, But anyways, let's go ahead and read this article. It's by Vice, and it says, Congress admits that UFOs are not man-made and says that threats are increasingly exponential. Now, the reason that they have to make that differentiation between are they man-made or not, there's been some conversations surrounding whether or not UFOs that we've been seeing, our military aircraft have been seeing, our Navy and Air Force pilots have been showing footage of. There's questions around whether or not they could could be foreign adversaries, right? So the the idea of a UFO, right, unidentified flying object, doesn't... automatically uh, direct you to the conversation of of alien aircraft, right? It's two separate things. It just means they don't know what it is and it's flying through the air, (laughs) all right? So the idea here would be that maybe China, maybe uh, Russia, maybe somebody like, I don't know, Zimbabwe has just been in the background uh, making crazy types of technology like um, Black Panther, uh, (laughs) you know, where they've been holding onto this rare metal and have flying, you know, all all of the craziness that was in... uh, what is that? Um, what's the what's the city in Black Panther? We got to know that off the top of our head. Somebody shouted out, "Black Panther city." It is it doesn't tell you right away. Wakanda. Gosh, I'm an idiot. Like the city of Wakanda. <laughs> That's just been hidden away. Zimbabwe has just been working away on these UFOs. And uh, now all of a sudden they're starting to to show up. (laughs) So that's the idea. It's basically that it doesn't have to be an alien. It could be coming from China. It could be coming from Russia with some advanced technology that we don't know how it works yet. And our government doesn't want to talk about. They know that it's these foreign adversaries. So now they're bringing it up that maybe it's potentially aliens. I don't know. But that's what they said here. Congress admits that UFOs are not man-made. Now, how do they know that? That's a better question. So let's read this article. It says, after years of revelations about strange lights in the sky, firsthand reports of Navy pilots about UFOs and governmental investigations, Congress seems to have admitted some startling in something startling in print. It doesn't believe that all UFOs are man-made. Buried deep in a report that's an addendum to the Intelligence Authorization Act for fiscal year 2023, a budget that governs Americans' clandestine services, Congress made two startling claims. The first... 
that cross-domain transmedium threats to the United States national security are expanding exponentially. And the second is that it wants to distinguish between UFOs that are of human origin and those that are not temporarily non-attributed objects or those that are positively identified as man-made after analysis will be passed to appropriate offices and should not be considered under the definition as an unidentified aerospace undersea phenomenon, the document states. Now, that's another conversation that we, we probably should have. Is the idea of a UFO has been around for a very long time, and it's been a very consistent conversation that there's these flying objects, but a one that is coming up more consistently is going to be the undersea, because when there's these flying objects that our Navy and Air Force pilots have been watching, they're flying through the sky, and then they drop 30,000 feet in half of a second, which no known aircraft have the capability to do, and then they drop directly into the water. Right now, that brings up a, a, an interesting conversation because the water is so much easier to hide in because, you know, we, we are barely ever looking there. And if we are, we're looking there at, you know, what, the first 10 feet that you can see down. It's not like there's a bunch of submarines all, all around all the time and you can't even see past the first few feet of the water. So um, there's been this conversation that's been coming up pretty consistently that there potentially are not only, you know, UFOs, but they're also um, under sea. Uh, aircraft, which is not aircraft, under sea, sea, sea craft. <laughs> it says the emission is stunningly chief or stunning chiefly because as more information about the U.S. government's study of UFOs has become public, many politicians have stopped just short of claiming that unidentified objects were extraterrestrial or extra dimensional in origin. The standard line is typical that if UFOs exist, that they are likely advanced, although human-made vehicles. Obama refused to confirm the existence of aliens, but did say that people have seen a lot of strange stuff in the sky lately, when asked directly on The Late Show with James Corden, for example. But now Congress seems to want to specifically distinguish between objects that are man-made and those that are not. A cross-domain transmedium threat is one that the Pentagon's definition means can move from water to air space um, in ways that we don't understand. In July, the Pentagon announced that it is opening all Domain Anomaly Resolution Office to investigate these threats. Wow. Um, the bill would reclassify unidentified aerial phenomenon, the government's term for UFOs, as unidentified aerospace undersea phenomenon. So there, there's so many aircraft that they're now seeing going from in space to airspace down to water that they're reclassifying the term completely to make sure that it brings up the point that they are going underneath the water so often. Um, it says that last year, a leaked video that was confirmed by the Pentagon as being authentic appeared to show a UFO seamlessly flying beneath the waves and there's a link to that video dang let's see if we can pull that one up um i'm gonna see if i can pull that over for us here and while i do that we'll continue discussing this article here but it says the senator marco rubio the vice chair of the senate select committee overseeing intelligence that issued the report has publicly said that he wants ufos to be aliens and not or he wants to he has publicly said he wants the UFOs to be aliens and not foreign weapons. Hmm. Um, it goes on to say that a large question, uh, of course, is why Congress is seemingly admitting this is now public. After all, lawmakers are privy to classified information that the general public isn't. It strains credulity to believe that lawmakers would include such extraordinary language in public legislation without compelling evidence. 
Um, as an Obama-era uh, DOD official said in an op-ed with The Hill about the budget, according to the op-ed, the comments were first noticed by UFO researcher Douglas Johnson, who said this implies that members of the Senate Intelligence Committee believe that some UFOs have non-human origins, right? Which is what we just talked about earlier. He goes on to say that, after all, why would Congress establish and task a powerful new office with investigating non-man-made UFOs if such objects did not exist, right? That's a good question. Basically, the question that we just talked about, which is why in the world, right, why would they make a classification for this if there was no conversation around them being real and you being a conspiracy theory uh, having individual crazy, wild, uh, what would they normally call a schizophrenic, <laughs> all of the, you know, you would literally there, how many people were put into psych wards in the seventies and eighties and experimented on, um, for saying that they were around any type of aircraft, right? I, I can't imagine, right? Like how many individuals there really has been over time who have been ridiculed, ostracized, lost their jobs, you know, people uh, who have come out and made claims that they were a part of programs who have been completely, you know, not obviously tr attempted to be discredited, but at the same time, also you know, lost any opportunity to work in the scientific community anymore and all of these things for bringing up these topics as if they're real. And now the government is literally coming out and saying, we're, we not only think that these things are real, but we are going to make an entire division of the government to go after and, and, and learn more about this because we believe it is so real. Right. So we're going to have to there, there's been way more of this conversation ramping up. And I did a whole episode on Project Bluebeam. If you don't know what Project Bluebeam is, is basically that, you know, I kind of discussed being a little skeptical of the government saying that these things are real, because why now? Right. They've known probably that these things are real for a while. They've they've been studying these things for decades, right? Why are they now coming out and saying that, oh yeah, we're, 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 you know, you guys weren't crazy for thinking this. We absolutely believe that. Why would anybody not think that there would be something out there? <laughs> so they're starting to have these conversations only now that, you know, either something is forcing their hand where they believe something is going to happen very shortly, where there's going to be some type of, I don't know, contact that's, you know, Know, on a massive scale, or they're setting up the general population to believe that something like that's going to happen, and they're going to use it to their uh, benefit by either taking advantage of the uh, craziness that happens with, you know, like basically either taking the idea and making it seem as if that is a possibility so that they can utilize that in some way. And Project Bluebeam is the idea of that, right? It basically says that they are going to utilize the idea of aliens and do like uh, laser projections into the sky to project some deity type thing to generally bring the world together under a new world order that's going to be ushered in with this, like against the alien deity. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's a, wild, wild theory. And it was popularized by a guy who ended up um, dying under very mysterious circumstances. Um, so that's definitely something you should look into is go back and watch the episode on Project Bluebeam because I do a whole uh, a whole episode around it that I find um, I, I find the topic to be quite interesting. Um, and I think you will be too. So go, go check that out and see if you can find it. Um, but in the meantime, let's see if we can get this video up. I think I have it ready to go. Maybe not. 
Let's see. I'll see if I can get this video up, but let's continue this article. It says that, make no mistake, one branch of the American government implying that UFOs have non-human origins is an explosive development. Obviously, a bipartisan group of U.S. legislators has long put pressure on the Pentagon to figure out what the strange lights are that Americans are seeing in the sky. In 2021, the DOD issued a report detailing more than 100 sightings that it investigated. It said some of what it studied could not be explained with current scientific models and asked for more time and money to study the phenomenon. Congress has given it to them, and now it's asking the Pentagon to focus only on the objects that haven't been, de haven't been designed by humans. And how do they know that? I would assume they would go a, 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 some sort of approach where they would try to, you know, limit it based on uh, like the, the movement type and like what they know about general, you know, Newton's laws. And because and, a, a few of these types of aircrafts that you're seeing doing these maneuvers in front of this military aircraft are defying the laws of gravity almost completely, almost completely defying the laws of gravity. So that would maybe that's how they're classifying them and seeing you know which ones they believe to be man-made and which ones they don't think are man-made i i don't know but that would be what would make sense to me um now there was a, con a congressional meeting that was called i believe it was like maybe a month or so ago um, where congress held its first open hearing about ufos in 50 years and this is coming from the same community, but it's Andre Carson, who's a representative, um, said that Congress hasn't held a public hearing on unidentified aerial phenomenon in over 50 years. That will change next week when I lead a hearing on House Intel on this topic and the national security risk it poses. Americans need to know about these unexplained occurrences, this says. Hmm. Pretty, pretty wild. All right, so I do have the video up. Let's go ahead and watch this video and see. I, I don't know what exactly you'll be able to hear, but if you can't hear much, I will talk you through what it is showing. And here we go. It doesn't appear as if there's audio, so. <laughs> it says a leaked video taken by the US Navy ship appears to show an unidentified area phenomenon hovering over the water. Now it's yeah, we have a IR camera. 31 knots of staying with the Pentagon has said that the videos and photos of UAPs are a part of ongoing examinations. Now it's showing a different angle um, of a different aircraft showing what appears to be a light train. Now it's amazing to me. Now it, it obviously makes sense when in these cases because it's rotated. What, what is actually going on is the military aircraft are picking up on these. Maybe I just see. Yeah, military aircraft are basically picking these up with their radar facilities. Because honestly, the Navy said in 2019 that there have been a number of reports of unauthorized and unidentified aircraft entering various military controlled regions and designated airspace in recent years. One declassified video from 2004 off the coast of California caught this image. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots to the west. And it was caught on an F-18. The Department of Defense and the military departments uh, take any incursions by unauthorized aircraft into our training ranges and de designated airspace very seriously and examine each report. And that was from 2020. That was a video by CNN. Hmm. So, very interesting. 
do I believe that there is unidentified aircraft that are manned by aliens? Now, there's a secondary possibility, which was also mentioned by that article, which was interdimensional, right? Not only with the the new science and ideas coming out about, um, you know, the, the multiverse theory or string theory approach to reality is that maybe it's potentially somebody from a different split off universe who's kind of bringing their aircraft here interdimensionally. Right. And I'm not the scientist to teach you that one, <laughs> but I do intend, as I've said before, on doing an episode about the multiverse and string theory in a, you know, for dummies approach, because I do think it's a very, very interesting theory. There's been a lot of pop culture surrounding it recently. But the idea that these things are only from the the universe that we occupy or this time space area that we occupy and not from a, a, a split um, dimension from the idea of string theory and potentially, you know, visiting us here in some way. Now, again, I don't know why they would do that, right? But but I guess we have, uh, you know, we, we study ants, so why wouldn't they study us? <laughs> and if they do have aircraft like that, it doesn't seem like they're that far off from, from us in, in the way that they interact with this world. Um, but anyways, not the guy to tell you about string theory, at least at this moment, <laughs> until I do a little bit more research for you. But it is, it does, it being brought up in that article makes it interesting, right? Is it from, is, is it somebody from Mars or is it somebody from a, you know, uh, a, a different dimension, which is obviously a, gets into a deeper discussion. Um, but I guess we'll see because eventually this is all going to ramp up and something's going to come out and there's going to be videos and we're going to find out that, you know, uh, Independence Day with Will Smith was actually a documentary and they just didn't want to tell us. And that's why he's crazy slapping people on stage is because he has PTSD. Maybe not. <laughs> so, on the backs of them um, telling us that this conspiracy theory of UFOs is real and that you're not crazy for thinking that aliens are existing, right? Which I, I think my, you know, sixth grade science teacher would have had a aneurysm if I would have went on a tangent about aliens existing, you know, because scientifically at the time you were crazy for thinking so. They're also doing it about chemtrails. Yeah, yeah, they're doing about chemtrails. There's an article that I just saw in New York Post. It was posted yesterday, August 28th, or I'm sorry, not the New York Post, the New York Times that says cloud wars, Mideast rivalries rise along a new front. As climate change makes the region hotter and drier, the UAE is leading the effort to squeeze more rain out of the clouds and other countries are rushing to keep up. Now, the article goes on to say that Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates, Iranian officials have worried for years that other nations have been depriving them of one of their vital water sources. But it is not an upstream dam that they were worrying about or an aquifer being blood dry. In 2018, amid a searing drought and rising temperatures, some senior officials concluded that someone was stealing their water from their clouds. Both Israel and another country are working to make Iranian clouds not rain. A senior official in the country's powerful Revolutionary Guards Corps said in 2018 speech. The unnamed country was the UAE, which has begun an ambitious cloud seeding program, which is actually the term that they've started to use. Just how they're using UAPs instead of UFOs, they're using cloud seeding instead of chemtrails. Injecting chemicals into clouds to try to force precipitation. Iran's suspicions are not surprising given its tense relations with most Persian Gulf nations, but the real purpose of these efforts is not to steal water, but simply to make it rain on parched lands. As the Middle East and North Africa dry up, countries in the region have embarked on a race to develop the chemicals and techniques that they hope will enable them to squeeze raindrops out of the clouds that would otherwise float fruitlessly overhead. 
In 12 of the 19 regional countries averaging less than 10 inches of rainfall a year, a decline of 20% over the last 30 years, their governments are desperate for any increment of fresh water, and cloud seeding is seen by many as a quick way to tackle the problem. Now, if you don't see what I'm looking at right now, or you're not looking at the article from the Substack, which you should sign up for right now at redpillrevolution.substack.com or by going to the website redpillrevolution.co because .com is for losers until I own that domain. Um, if any of you want to buy it and then send it to me, let me know. <laughs> redpillrevolution.co, you can sign up for the Substack. You'll get all the articles, all the links, all the videos, the video podcast, the audio podcast, and so much more directly to your inbox every single week. So make sure that you sign up directly on the website, redpillrevolution.co. And you'll be able to look at these ugly guys in yellow vests putting stuff on the side of the wing of an aircraft, which apparently they don't do. You're a conspiracy theorist for thinking so. But it goes on to say that it says that as wealthy countries like the Emirates pump hundreds of millions of dollars into the effort, other nations are joining the race, trying to ensure that they do not miss out on their fair share of rainfall before other others drain the heavens dry. Wow, that's quite a statement. Despite serious questions about whether the technique generates enough rainfall to be worth the effort and expense, Morocco and Ethiopia have cloud seeding programs, as does Iran. Saudi Arabia just started a large-scale program, and a half dozen other Middle Eastern and North African countries are considering it. And if you don't think that China and the United States have been doing this for decades, you're wrong. They have been. They obviously led the way on this. And it's amazing that this was such is still literally, if you go to Wikipedia right now, now, you will see that if you Google or just go on Google right now, you will see that it chemtrails, Google chemtrails, it'll say the very first thing to come up is chemtrail conspiracy theory. Meanwhile, the New York Times is talking about cloud seeding and all they did was shift the word and change the change it. The idea stays the same. And now you're fucking crazy for saying anything about chemtrails and it's science that they talk about cloud seeding. Hmm. How does that make like it's it's so crazy to look our abuser in the face and know that they're abusing us along this whole time about these ideas like like chemtrails or UFOs or, you know, whatever it is that they want to call you crazy for believing in. And by believing in, I mean, recognizing scientific evidence and using your own eyes in the sky to see what they are doing. Just like the picture that I'm looking at of these guys posting these little cartridges on the side of this plane's wing. It is crazy that they've been doing this for so long. And, and, and why, why are they hiding? Why have they been hiding this for so long from us? And why are they now again, trying to normalize it? Right. The idea that we should control the weather is probably and you want to talk about climate change or climate crisis. Maybe you shouldn't be pumping chemicals via planes through the sky to make it rain. Was it when it wasn't going to? And maybe you wouldn't be having this karmic response from the universe, from the world, from the elements, from the Gaia, whatever. <laughs> whatever you want to attribute this to, maybe they wouldn't be this response back if there is even a response going on. So yeah, everybody wants to look at you driving a damn Ford Escort to work as being, you're the big problem with the client. No, maybe it's you guys pumping 
billions of dollars of chemicals into these skies in order to manipulate the weather. Maybe that's what's causing the weather manipulations on charts that you're pointing to, to so that you can funnel and siphon money from our tax dollars to pay the companies that put you into power to do these things. Right? What? It, it's wild. Goes on to say that while cloud seeding has been around for 75 years, experts say that private uh, experts say science has yet to be proven, and they are especially dismissive of worries about one country draining clouds dry at the expense of others downwind. The lifespan of a cloud, in particular, the type of cumulus clouds most likely to produce rain, is rarely more than a couple of hours. Atmospheric scientists say. Occasionally, clouds can last longer, but rarely long enough to reach another country, even in the Persian Gulf, where seven countries are jammed very close together. But several Middle Eastern countries have brushed aside the experts' doubts and are pushing ahead with plans to wring any moisture they can from otherwise stingy clouds. Today, the unquestioned regional leader of the United Arab Emirates said that as early as 19... Uh, what? That sentence didn't make sense for the New York Times. Today, the unquestioned regional leader of the United Arab Emirates, as early as 1900s, the country's ruling family recognized the ma that maintaining a plentiful water supply would be as important as the nation's huge oil and gas reserves in sustaining its status as the financial and business capital of the Persian Gulf. Uh, it goes on to say, that while there, is, uh, there has been enough water to sustain the tiny country's population in 1960, there have been fewer than 100,000 people. By 2020, the population had ballooned to nearly 10 million, and the demand for water soared as well. United Arab Emirates residents now use roughly 147 gallons per day compared to the world average of 47 gallons. All right, don't really care about that. All I know is that the UAE is finally admitting to cloud seeding. Oh my gosh, here's a picture of it. Wow, it's why yeah, it's literally white streams coming off of the side of the wings. What are we doing here, guys? How how literally Google right now says that this is a conspiracy theory. Says that chemtrails are a conspiracy theory. Like they're not sitting there spraying chemicals off the side of these airplanes in this picture. And it says that this picture is releasing experimental nanomaterial in a cloud seeding demonstration in the Emirates. The technology has never been proved to work. Yeah, okay. Though proponents say new technologies are reaping better results. You just said 75 years ago, oh, you think the stoner with a tinfoil hat on just developed this idea that now the United Arab Emirates is using to, to you do weather manipulation? No, this has been around for almost 100 years. The, 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 the hippy-dippy tinfoil hat wearing bong ripping uh, caricature of a conspiracy theorist was not the one to come up with this. This has always been around. This has been around for a very long time. And when you look up and you see airplanes overhead flying and two or one white trail coming off the side of it, now you know that that's a chemtrail. Call it cloud seeding, call it a chemtrail, call it marshmallow fluff coming off the back of the airplane. It's a chemtrail. But if you Google it right now, it tells you that it's a conspiracy. Literally from the word of Google, it says, under chemtrails, chemtrail conspiracy theory. 
The chemtrail conspiracy theory is the erroneous belief that long-lasting condensation trails are chemtrails consisting of chemical or biological agents left in the sky by fly high-flying aircraft sprayed for nefarious purposes undisclosed to the general public. Yeah. Cloud seeding. Anyways, so just know, whatever it is that you're questioning about the government right now, that they're calling you crazy for questioning, it will come out in 25 to 75 years that we were correct. And we'll look back at this podcast together over a beer and we'll laugh and know that everything that we said already was correct because we already kind of know that. But it's interesting now that everybody's seeing through the bullshit of the government. Everybody knows these things. Everybody knows that, the, you know, like the the uh, aligning between the medical industrial complex with Dr. Fauci and the government that's being utilized as a platform to make billions of dollars for those companies. Everybody knows now, not everybody, because chemtrails is still a term that is used to make you seem crazy for bringing it up. And it's still showing on Google that you're crazy for having a conversation about it. But anyways, I digress. Let's move on. There's your conspiracy hour for the day. <laughs> Quite half hour at least. All right. So the very next thing that we're going to talk about is going to be Joe Biden has said he will forgive up to $20,000 of college debt owed by Americans who make under $125,000 a year and $10,000 worth of debt if you make over that. Now, this leads to questioning more recently, which is being asked because Nancy Pelosi herself said that Joe Biden doesn't have the power to do that, said it must be an act of Congress. She said that a year ago when this was brought up, when he you know, took office. Um, but the first article says, here's how much student lo loan forgiveness you'll receive and when you'll see it. Now, not the one that I'm looking for. Um, what we will see here is going to be the article which says White House faces legal questions with student loan forgiveness plan, which is that, hey, you can't do that. Not within your power. And this, this is what Nancy Pelosi said. She said you can delay it. You can push it back, but you can't forgive it. Right. So it says here that the White House has stepped into tricky legal territory with a plan to erase $10,000 in federal student loan debt for millions of borrowers. Wow, that's a lot of money. Has anybody calculated this? What would be the total cost of this if they did it for every single person who had over this debt? Because there is more student loan debt, at least there was in 2010 with this article that I saw, more student loan debt than there is credit card debt for all Americans in the United States. That's a wild statistic. It says the plan is expected to face legal challenges, which would cause uncertainty for borrowers who stand to benefit from the new policy. At the same time, they are also expected to have challenges for those planning to sue the administration over the plan. Demonstrating standing in the case is, in particular is seen as a hurdle, leading to some to doubt a future challenge will be successful. The Biden administration replied that on the 2003 HEROES Act ena enacted following the September 11th terror attacks to underpin its plan, it argues could be uh, it argues that because of the COVID-19 emergency, the law gives the education department the authority to both suspend loan repayments through December 31st and cancel loan debt for many borrowers. Groups like the Centrist Democratic think that uh, think tank Third Way have opposed Biden's plan in part due to the threat of legal challenges. We're very concerned that it is going to be held up in court and leave borrowers in limbo, said Lene Erickson. 
There has been discussions for months about the administration's legal authority to cancel student loan debt as progressives increased pressure on Biden to take action. The initial expectation was that Biden administration would use the Higher Education Act to justify executive action on student loans. Biden on Wednesday announced plans to cancel up to $10,000 in federal student loan debt for those making under $125,000 a year and up to $20,000 for Pell Grant recipients. So I guess I was a little misjudged or misguided on that initial statement. The Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel released a memo outlining the, the legal justification. The HEROES Act was passed in 2003 with bipartisan support and gives the Education Secretary the authority to waive debt obligations amid a war or national emergency. Are we still considering it a national emergency when, <clears throat> excuse me, even the CDC themselves says that you don't have to quarantine any longer because, you know, the pandemic's over and the vaccine doesn't work and that's basically what they said when they said that, you know, there's virtually no difference from having it or not having it now because they know that the effectiveness wanes off so quickly. But anyways, it says that I think they have to, that, uh, I think that, uh, shit, here it goes. <laughs> they very clearly narrowed their decision to this very specific national emergency hook, said Dali Jimenez, a law professor of uh, University of California, Irving. I think they did that probably to avoid a legal challenge or to prevent it as much as possible. It's strategically a much better thing to do, and I think it narrows the possibility of success uh, full challenges considerably. Erickson, however, argued that there remains a very high likelihood that the action will ultimately be struck down. It is very vague congressional language, and I don't think that Congress thought when it was passing Heroes that it was giving the department the authority to wipe out student loan debt. When the White House Press Secretary Karen Jean-Pierre was asked Thursday if the administration is prepared for potential legal challenges, she declined to get into what she called a hypothetical scenario. Seems a lot like more likely than hypothetical there, but I guess we'll see. Um, the deputy director of the National Economic Council said Friday that Biden did not want to move forward with loan forgiveness unless he was certain he was on firm legal footing. Of course, people can challenge actions in court. It happens all the time. It's going to be up to the courts to decide whether those are valid claims or not. But we believe we are on very strong legal grounds. So basically, he's manipulating a bill that was passed in 2003 to use the Trojan horse of COVID, which, again, the emergency Relief of that has ended on almost every sector, so I don't know how he would have the power to be utilize it for this portion now, three years later. And, and, and if you don't know, they're literally only doing this to buy votes. He's taking tax dollars for, you know, from Republicans and Democrats and those in the middle who hate both because, for the most part, a lot of the thoughts on the extremes on both are wild. Taking that money, pooling it together in the turn, in, in the idea of billions and billions of dollars and throwing your tax dollars at people randomly, hoping that they eventually vote for him as a result of the money that he gave them. Oh, sounds very familiar. Hmm. Sounds familiar. All right. So they're just going to be launching billions of dollars at citizens who have been in student loan debt for taking out an art degree and now they have, what, $10,000, $20,000 per individual who went to college, right? And here's the reminder to you that most people who went to college didn't come from disproportionately low-income communities or families or households. Usually the people that you know that went to college came from, you know, generally speaking, statistically speaking, higher-income families, you know, generally. In, in, in more than, it's like 45% of all student loan debt comes from not bachelor's degrees, but graduate degrees, 
right? And graduate degrees tend to be by people who are already making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, like doctorates. And so where this money's going is not to the poor, you know, disproportionately affected minority communities who went and got their bachelor's degree so they could go work really hard and, and make their money. No, 45% of it at least will be going to master's degrees for, you know, philosophy of gender studies or whatever bullshit <laughs> somebody got their master's in. Or like uh, Dr. Jill Biden with her, maybe that's why Joe did this was so that Jill could get her student loan debt paid off because he thought she was an actual doctor. And lo and behold, she can't make any money as a <laughs> to pay it off as a uh, teacher. I don't know. So here, here's where here's where my problem comes in with this, right? And I actually have a lot of problems with this because I, 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 I this is going in the wrong direction initially, right? If you're going to solve this problem, you don't solve it on the back end. You don't go, hey, here's some money to help with your student loans. No, why do we have so many student loans to begin with? Why are people hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt to go to school just to have a job, just to make money, just to make enough money so they can purchase a home. Why do you have to go into that type of debt? Let's not solve the, uh, the, the, the problem with a Band-Aid. This is all this is, is a Band-Aid. Because the problem is not student loan debt. The problem is why did they have to go into that debt to begin with? Because the only people who are going to benefit from this are going to be the corporations who did the lending, which is either A, the federal government, or B, big banks, and also, the only person who's going to be profiting from this in, in large part is going to be the universities, right? Which, again, it might be $10,000 to the citizen, but it's billions of dollars to the banks. It's billions of dollars potentially back to the big guy <laughs> and the large corporations that put him in power. It's billions of dollars going to the bankers, to the CEOs of these companies, to the 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 companies that did the federal grants and, and all of that, or the federal loans, which is a big piece of why. The reason that they can charge $75,000 a year for or semester for you to go to college is only because there's federal uh, loans to begin with. The only reason is because you can take out a loan to do so, because they know nobody would literally ever go to college if you had to pay $75,000 or $25,000 or $50,000 to go for a semester. Or even for a damn bachelor's degree, if you knew going into it that you'd have to spend $150,000 out of your own pocket and they were going to stop your education if you couldn't pay it, you wouldn't go. You wouldn't go. It's the same thing with like the medical industrial complex. The reason that they're going to charge you $18,000 to deliver a baby is because there's insurance which they know will pay that money. And you're just going to end up in debt to the insurance company, which is going to get sold off to a creditor, which is eventually going to sell it to somebody else. It's this endless stream of money. But the only reason they can charge the exorbitant costs that they do is because of student loans. And specifically because of federal loans, which again, to remind you that you cannot file bankruptcy from. Cannot file bankruptcy from. I wonder what that is. Well, because they don't want you skirting away from the lifelong ball and chain just so that you can, you know, have a, a, a bachelor's degree to go make $50,000 a year as a teacher. They know that this is a scam. College is a scam. And it became a scam. In 1971, it cost $2,500 a year, or I'm sorry, a semester to go to Harvard University. Harvard University, it cost $2,500 a semester to go to Harvard. And that might even be a year. 
1971. And that was the year that the Federal Reserve began. There's an interesting website, which you can find that goes uh, WTF happened in 1971.com. And it gives you all of these charts, all of these graphs that you can look at of when the Federal Reserve turned into what it is today. We got off of the gold standard and you can see all of the data showing all of the places that it affected. And one of the biggest ones is college tuition. Right, the, the, the cost of tuition went up exponentially. Now, I'm not correlating that to this just yet, but what I am saying is that it was $2,500 to go to Harvard before. Now it's like seventy-five dollars or $100,000 semester or whatever the hell it is to go to Harvard. It's, it's, it's obnoxious, it's ridiculous, and in, not even to use the most extreme example, it's like if you wanna go to a middle-of-the-road university, it still costs you twenty grand. it's like $25,000 a semester. It's, it's, or I guess it would be a year, right? $25,000 a year to go to university. And the only reason, because the parent, your average parent doesn't make enough to pay for that. And the only reason they can charge that is because they're going to, they're going to peddle a loan to a child, a literal 17 year old child, 18 year old child to go get an education when this child doesn't know what the, what the fuck they want to do with their lives. Of course they don't. They're a child. You shouldn't know what you want to do for the rest of your life at 18. And you definitely shouldn't be locked into it because your parents took out a loan in your name or you took out a loan in your name as a child that you're literally locked into forever that you cannot get rid of even if you file bankruptcy. Crazy. So it's a scam. College is a scam, right? If you weren't aware before, now you are. College is a scam. Now it does good things for a lot of people. You can get that education. It gets you into the workforce in specific places. It gives you real world experience on some topics, but a lot of it only happens because of student loans. I wonder what the percentage is. I wonder if we can find the percentage of like what percentage of students take out student loans because I bet you it's close to 70% of students take out student loans. So 70% of students would not pay. They would not be able to pay to go to college if it wasn't for student loans. And this is all set up this way. It's all set up to, to make you the individual fail and to make the banks as much money as possible, to make the federal government as much money as possible, which is the exact reason why you can't get rid of it with bankruptcy. So there's an article here that is by US News and it says why the government is to blame for high college costs says, uh, and this is coming from 2011, it says that back in the mid-1980s, when I went to college, there was a $2,500 limit on the amount of federal student loans you could take out in a year. I graduated $10,000 of debt and worked three jobs to pay it off. That's all changed. The limit on federal loans for most students is now $31,000 for four years. These days, the average college senior who had loan, uh, loans graduates with $25,000 in debt, a new record, and with some high tuition colleges averaging double of that, over $55,000 per student. Unemployment has hit a new high among young people and their median incomes are following. Many of them are having trouble finding a job and making their loan payments. A whole generation of middle-class students is being crushed by student debt. It all goes back to well-intentioned federal goals. First, that a college education should be within reach of every American. Second, that if a, a student borrows money from the federal government, they should repay it. Most of uh, most of us would agree that both are noble goals, but the consequences of both have been stunning. As a result of the first, the money began to flow. Over the last 30 years, inflation-adjusted federal financial aid has quadrupled. Total student debt has now reached $1 trillion mark. 
more than the credit card debt of every American combined. The federal deficit in the recent end of fiscal year totals $1.3 trillion. The debt load carried by college graduates now stands at more than two-thirds of our nation's massive budget shortfall. According to the College Board, over half of all full-time undergraduates at public colleges and universities are now full-time borrowers at private nonprofit schools. Wow. So it says that this brings up a second well-intentioned federal goal that all student loans must be repaid. In 1976, federal law was changed to, uh, to state that student loans would need no longer dischargeable or covered by bankruptcy. Along the way, the federal government also removed the requirement that college students have parents or grandparents co-sign for federal loans, making young students solely responsible for payment in full. This means that if you owe the government money from college and don't pay it, back filing bankruptcy isn't going to help you you will still owe the government all you can do is default on a loan or seek early forgiveness and that's exactly what's happened according to the department of education the national default rate has increased every year for the last four years and has doubled since 2005 as the administration forgives more loans and defaults keep climbing the cost of taxpayers keeps going um it says that it's all it's not uh, it's not crazy to talk about making student loans dischargeable again or even capping the number of federally guaranteed loans so that the private banks can compete for more borrowers. But the bigger challenge is reducing the cost of tuition in the space. Tuitions are artificially high directly because of federal financial aid. It's a vicious cycle. Um, students tell the politicians, we don't want to pay this much for college. And politicians respond by throwing more money at them. And colleges respond by increasing costs. While critics charge that gradually cutting back on federal financial aid is heartless, doing so would actually be one of the most compassionate things we can do for the long run of middle class families. Um, basically, the idea is that stop giving in to these colleges, right? Because the federal government is always going to loan you money if you're guaranteed to pay it back until you die. And even if you die and you don't pay it back, they're coming after your estate. So they're getting their money one way or another. Now, that's my first problem with this. Number one, being college is a scam. Number two, being how many soldiers went into the military partially because of financial aid for college. How many middle class or lower class young men and young women joined the military in large part because they could not afford college. And you know how much money you get for college when you go into the military? depending on what you chose, like the, the Montgomery GI bill was like $30,000 last time I checked. Like it's, it's, it's not a lot. You get basically exactly what this frat boy sitting, working a, a, a random accounting job somewhere who took out $45,000 in federal loans to get a financial degree, you know, not working the whole time, going and partying all day gets the same exact benefit from the government as the military members who were willing to, and in many cases did, lose their lives because they were wanting to get some financial aid so they could make a life for themselves after they left the military. And now what are you doing? By giving back this money, the same money that individuals who didn't go into the military didn't give that ultimate sacrifice and didn't offer up to defend and, and uphold the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, didn't do that, are getting all of the benefits of that without any sacrifice. And what are you telling to the next generation of soldiers? Is, oh, you don't need to go in the military for tuition, which, again, I don't think you should have to in the first place. I think it should be affordable. I think that it shouldn't be hyperinflated because of student loans, right? In the same way that I think that 
the medical system and hospitals should have affordable costs and not just charge you $20,000 because they know insurance will pay it, right? And they know that you're not going to pay it if you didn't have insurance. That's why they make sure you have insurance so they can charge exorbitant amounts above and beyond what the actual cost should be, which is exactly what's happening here, right? It's the same playbook. It's the same page. All they're doing is inflating the cost, finding somebody to back it up on the back end in case that you don't pay. And if you don't pay, they're going to come after you for it anyways. And especially when it comes to student loans, right? Is and, and, and so like, it, it's so crazy to see that this is becoming a thing where, uh, again, the soldier who went in for the reason of getting some tuition assistance, and that's not everybody and, and, and a lot of soldiers probably maybe didn't even have that in their mind. But if you come from a low-income household, you come from a, a, a you know middle-class household, that's definitely a piece of it, right? That's at least some part of the, the reason that you were in believing that you should go in was so that you could not have to go into debt as, as a student. And now you see that you just don't have to make that sacrifice. You don't have to do that anymore because Joe Biden is just going to wave his magical presidential wand and take away the debt that you as an individual decided to take on. Now, again, I don't think an 18 year old should be able to take on that type of debt, but it, and I believe that it's predatory to begin with, which is kind of a conflicting argument with what I just said, but you took out the loan. You took the money, right? Nobody gets to bail you out from taking somebody else's money. You pay the money back that you asked for, right? Now, I think it should be able to get discharged off of your, your record as far as you know filing bankruptcy goes. But again, the, 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 the fundamental problem is that college is a scam and, and tuition costs have been so far inflated only because of loans and specifically federal loans, right? Now, on the back of that, let's go ahead and move over into our next topic. But before I do that, I need you to head back over to redpillrevolution.co. I need you to click the menu at the top left and I need you to click get insurance. All right. That is the only way that you can help fund this podcast. You can help me continue doing this and you can support me is by getting life insurance directly from the website. It is from me as your agent. Now, I know a lot of you have been hearing this for the past several episodes and I know you haven't signed up. I know a few of you have looked and I appreciate it, but I need you to head over there right now. If you enjoy the show, if you need some life insurance, if you have people who care about you and your life and, and loved ones around you when you go to sleep at night, they need you to sign up for insurance. They need you to have life insurance. Have a plan when the inevitable happens because you are going to die. And when you die, you don't want to leave all that student loan debt to your children. <laughs> <laughs> so head over to redpillrevolution.co, click the link, get yourself some life insurance. I am your agent. This is not a third-party ad, no third-party ad here yet, but if I don't get some of you signing up there soon, I'm going to have to put some ads in here to justify all the time that I'm spending on this that I love doing for you anyways. So head over to the website, click on that link, get yourself some life insurance. I got a $2 million policy offered to me for $65 a month. I am young and healthy, but I recommend that you get 15 times at least your annual salary. Um, that should be more than enough to help with mortgages um, and you know, food costs and debt and student loan debt and <laughs> uh, you know whatever it is that you have going on and help your family to continue their lives even when you're gone, which will happen some 
day. So redpillrevolution.co, go ahead and sign up for some life insurance. I know you need it and I know you want to support the show. So head over there right now and I would appreciate it so, so much. If you have any questions about that, I know there's a limited number of states that it's available in right now. So go ahead and send me an email. If there's a state that you want to get it in that I am not licensed in, I will get licensed specifically so you can sign up for life insurance under me. So just send me it. Uh, what's going on, send me your state, austin at redpillrevolution.co, and I would love to talk with you about it there. All right. Now, on the backs of that, let's jump into the Mark Zuckerberg conversation. Muck, 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 Mark Zuckerberg went on to Joe Rogan last week and talked about all sorts of things from uh, jujitsu, which he was trying to make himself seem like a super cool jujitsu guy. It was like this PR stunt. It was literally just Mark Zuckerberg going on Joe Rogan, trying to act as if he's a human being, because like I said, Facebook has just been bleeding dry from users. You know, I don't know anybody who generally is on Facebook very much who's not over the age of, I don't know, maybe 40 consistently now. And, and I used to think that was wrong, but I am completely off of Facebook now. And I would say I haven't been on it for like three years, really. So um, it's definitely rings true. Uh, but the FBI came out and made a statement back to Mark Zuckerberg after he made a statement about the Hunter Biden laptop. So we'll actually look at that statement that he has. Um, so let's go ahead and listen to this clip. It's it's uh, it's just a few minutes here. So we'll discuss it as we go on. I got about two or three of them for you. Um, and then we'll get into each parts of it. The very first one will start right now. That I really admire about what you do is, you know, it seems like you have a real commitment to giving a voice to a lot of different types of people, right? It, it feels like a big part of your your theme is, um, you know, you, you have a lot of people on the show who wouldn't just know or like no chance that, that they'd get the exposure that they get from from talking to you elsewhere. And, you know, part of the, the question that I wonder about is in Instagram and in Facebook, you have your follow graph, right? You have your, you know, the people you choose to follow and you have your friends, but can we build AI systems that can also just help recommend better content that you didn't know to follow yet because mm -hmm. it's it's kind of inter it's it's you know it's up your alley it's like that I really admire about the one thing I really admire about you Joe Rogan is that you love the opinions of everybody <laughs> it's like he had these ideas of these things that he wanted to say and the way that he said them is so clunky and and so he goes you know the thing i love about you is you give a platform to so many different ideas coming from the man who silences more people than chinese communist party mark zuckerberg coming out and 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 trying to do the uh you know, neuro-linguistic programming of just saying what he thinks you're going to believe. And if he says it enough times, you'll believe it, that he actually cares to give people platforms, right? Like this, this robot going on to Joe Rogan and, and trying in every way to manipulate the general public into thinking that he's not a evil dictator that's a wholly against free speech, like listening to all of these parts where he talks about as somebody who is banned, like is shadow banned from Instagram, Shadow banning is a thing, right? You see your posts go up and down in, in volume and, and, and like reach, and that's fine, right? They even changed it so that they show you if you're recommended or not now. And that's fine too. But you literally cannot even search for my Instagram and see my page unless you fill in the in, in full name of it. Red Pill Revolt. You even see my backup page before you'll see my main page of Red Pill Revolt. It's crazy. 
And and now there was an article that came out that talked about how he said shadow banning isn't real. They, from my understanding, I haven't listened to the whole thing yet. He hasn't discussed specifically shadow banning. Um, but he did discuss like content reach and some things, which we'll listen to a little bit more about here. But it is infuriating for me to listen to Mark Zuckerberg talk about censorship as if it's a bad thing when he's literally the biggest like the owner of the biggest company who's censoring the most people across platforms in the history of man ever, who's able to filter speech and, and manipulate elections. And, and that's what the next thing I think we'll, we'll listen to is here, where he actually talks about Hunter Biden's laptop. So let's see if we can listen to that clip. When they're uh, a big news item that's controversial, like there was a lot of attention on Twitter during the election because of the Hunter Biden laptop story, the New yeah, York Post. Yeah, we had that too. Yeah, so you guys censored that as well? So we took a different path than Twitter. Um, I mean, basically the background here is the FBI, I think basically came to us, uh, some some folks on our team, and was like, hey, um, just so you know, like you should be on high alert. There was, the, we, we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of, of um, uh, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. So our protocol is different from Twitter's. What Twitter did is they said, you can't share this at all. Now, one big thing he just said there that everybody has a little bit of an outcry for at this point is that the FBI went to Facebook and told them to censor the Hunter Biden laptop story which means they also went to Twitter, which means they also went to, you know, all of the other social platforms that relatively don't matter compared to Meta and Twitter and maybe TikTok, but they're probably not controlling the Chinese Communist Party's web app. Um, that's a really bold, really big statement to show that the FBI is colluding with social media private sector companies to, to manipulate freedom of speech surrounding an election against the acting president of the United States during that time. They went behind his back, went to the social media platforms and said, hey, you should watch out for this. And even if they didn't said you need to filter this completely, and, and which Twitter did, did not allow for the dissemination of the article from, I believe it was the Washington Post that posted it, but didn't allow it to be circulated at all <clears throat> on the direction of the FBI. You know, the FBI under the president of the United States at the time, who apparently didn't want him, you know, him having a fair election against Joe Biden with the all of the knowledge. Because if you if you understand what was in that laptop, you understand that Hunter Biden, at the very least, is compromised. And if Hunter Biden is compromised, that means Joe Biden could potentially be compromised. And that's by foreign governmental entities. That's by, you know, blackmail and everything that we saw on the more recent iCloud leak. All of that is true. But the American people weren't able to vote as if that was the case. In fact, a lot of people may have went to vote as if this was something that they should have rallied around was the fake Russia misinformation hoax. Like, how is the FBI going to even do that, right? So the FBI responds, and we'll look at that in a minute, but let's go ahead and finish a little bit more of this clip here. When they're uh, a big news item. The, I think it was five or seven days when it was basically being um, 
being determined whether it was false, um, the distribution on Facebook was decreased, but people were still allowed to share it. So you could still share it. You could still consume it. So when um, you say the distribution is decreased, in, it, it got shared. How it, does that work? It basically the ranking in newsfeed was a little bit less. So fewer people saw it than would have otherwise. So it definitely by what percentage? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's 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 meaningful. But I mean, but basically, a um, a lot of people were still able to share it. We got a lot of complaints that that was the case. Um, you know, obviously this is a hyper-political issues. So depending on what side of the political spectrum, you either think we didn't censor it enough or censored it way too much. But right. but we weren't sort of as black and white about it as, as Twitter. We just kind of thought, hey, look, if, if the FBI, which you know, I still view as a legitimate institution in this country, it's a like very professional law enforcement, they come to us and tell us that we need to be on guard about something, then I want to take that seriously. Did they specifically say you need to be on guard about that story? I, I, no, I, I don't remember if it was that specifically, but it was. It basically fit the pattern. When something like that turns out to be real, is there regret for not having it evenly distributed and for throttling the distribution of that story? What do you mean evenly distributed? I mean uh, evenly in that it's not suppressed. It's not. See, yeah, some, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, it turned out. After the fact, I mean, the fact checkers looked into it. No one was able to say it was false, right? So, so basically, it had this period where it was getting less distribution. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I but I think like, I, I think it probably it sucks though. I think in the same way that probably having to go through like a criminal trial but being proven innocent in the end sucks. Like, it still sucks to have have like that you had to go through. Yeah, only that criminal trial was hinging on who became the president of the United States. And as we're finding out the reaction to what could potentially turn into a world war with how <laughs> our president is responding to Taiwan, China, Russia, and all of it. Um, so yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit more than sucks, Mark Zuckerberg, that potentially Ukraine invaded or Russia invaded Korea, Ukraine, <laughs> maybe China's going to attempt to overthrow Taiwan in the next three years. Supply chains are broken all over the world. Yeah, maybe a little bit more than sucks, Mark Zuckerberg, that you interfered with an election, um, and so did the FBI. When they're uh, a big new the FBI talking to you that it wasn't real and that there was going to be some propaganda. So what do you do? Yeah. And then if you just let it get out there and what if it changes the election and it turns out to be bullshit, that's a real problem. And... I would imagine that those kind of decisions are the most difficult. The decisions of like what is allowed and what is not allowed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what would you do in that situation? I don't know what I would do. I would have to like really thoroughly. Well, first of all, you're dealing with the New York Post. Which all right. So let's go ahead and read the FBI's response. The FBI, the FBI responded to the Joe Rogan interview with Mark Zuckerberg, where Mark Zuckerberg said that the FBI told him to censor the Hunter Biden laptop. And the FBI went on to say this. 
Um, it says the FBI said that it routinely notifies private sector entities, including social media companies, of information related to potential threats after Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg said Facebook limited the distribution of a controversial story leading up to the 2020 election because of an FBI warning. The statement followed Zuckerberg's appearance on Joe Rogan's podcast on Thursday, in which Zuckerberg said Facebook limited stories on the news feed related to the New York Post's article about President Biden's son. Hunter Biden and his laptop, the FBI warned the company to be aware of potentially polarizing content. Russia used social media platforms like Facebook to post intentionally polarizing content ahead of the 2016 election. The FBI, and this is in quotes, the FBI has provided companies with foreign threat indicators to help them protect their platforms and customers from abuse by foreign malign influence actors. The FBI said that it works with federal, state, local, and private sector partners to keep the public informed on potential threats, but it cannot request or order companies to take any action based on the information provided. Meta tweeted after the podcast episode was posted online that Zuckerberg has shared this information publicly before when he testified to the Senate almost two years ago after the FBI warned Facebook about potential foreign threats. The Post story on Hunter Biden reported that the FBI allegedly obtained a laptop belonging to him that contained information related to a federal investigation into him. Um, we don't need to know that. We've done whole episodes on that. Um, but it says that some of the emails on the laptop have confirmed to be authentic, but no changes have been brought, no charges have been brought, and no demonstrable wrongdoing from the president or his son has been confirmed. Yeah. Okay, dude, the hill has lost its way. I used the hill for a while. Um, they recently basically took off one of their uh, one of the individuals who was on the rising because she wanted to be a part of the Anthony Fauci interview that they did. And you can tell all of their content has been just leaning left and left and left. Um, uh, and so you see something like that where it's no demonstrable wrongdoing. Maybe the inappropriate text messages between him and his underage niece that all of his family called him weird, creepy, and did not let them be around his children for being a part of. Maybe it's the the Chinese, uh, the, 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 the energy deals that he made with Ukrainian energy companies like Burisma utilizing his dad's influence to do so. Maybe it's the removal of a, a certain judge before he's going to enact a, a, a decision on Hunter Biden and this wrongdoing that he allegedly didn't do. Maybe it's the peddling of his father's influence to China and the millions and millions and millions of dollars that he made from companies that he had no part in making profitable. I don't know. Maybe it's that or maybe it's all of the prostitutes and hookers that his dad sent money to him to pay for. Hmm, maybe, but maybe not. So anyways, the FBI admits to it, right? Admits that they send information to private sector companies. And that is a big problem. So let's go ahead and listen to this last one here and then we'll wrap it up. But I think this is important too. Um, and, and is so infuriating and laughable to hear Mark Zuckerberg talk about censorship. And the last thing I do want to listen to here is about the governing boards. Okay, he talks about Facebook's and Meta's governance boards that he established. So let's listen to it. And, and kind of celebrated um, free expression advocate. And he helped me set the thing up. And I, I think like setting up forms of governance around that are independent of us, that basically get the final say on a bunch of these decisions um, 
And that's that's a step in the right direction. I mean, in, in the, the Hunter Biden case that you talked about before, you know, I don't want our company to decide what's misinformation and what's not. So we work with with third parties and basically let different different organizations do that. Now, I mean, then you have the question of are those organizations biased or not? And that's that. Yes. The answer is yes, those organizations are biased. And yes, those organizations are funded for and set up by large conglomerate corporations who are also the ones funding these extremist organizations like Antifa. Yes, they are compromised. And he just pointed to it, which, oh yeah, we send it to third parties. And, and maybe those third parties are compromised, but I'm not gonna talk about that. Well, maybe you should. If they're the ones that are dictating what truth is, and they're the ones that are you know, interfering in elections, maybe you should look into their bias because it's important, especially if it isn't you guys and you're offloading it specifically for legality purposes, which is all the reason why they sent it to third parties, right? So it's unbelievable that he sits there and goes, yeah, you know, you can question that, which is fine. And we can, you know, we won't get into that, but maybe, maybe you should get into that because why in the world would we allow third party entities that have never existed before to determine what's fact and what's false, what you can say and what you can't say, what makes you banned and what makes you not banned, even if it's truth, right? Because how many people lost their platforms for posting about Hunter Biden? That's a, that's a very difficult question, but at least we're not the ones who are basically sitting here deciding. We're not the ministry of truth for the world that's deciding right. whether everything is true or not. So I'd say um, this is not a solved problem. Controversies aren't going away. Um, you know, I think that there's – it is interesting that the U.S. Um, is actually more polarized than, than most other countries. So I think sitting in the U.S., you know, it's easy to extrapolate and say, hey – it probably feels this way around the whole world. Um, and from the social science research that I've seen, that's not actually the case. There's a bunch of countries where social media is just as prominent, but polarization is either flat or has declined slightly. So there's something kind of different happening in the US. Hmm. Um, but but for better or worse, I mean, it, it does seem like 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 the, the next several years do seem like they're set up to be quite polarized. So I I tend to agree with you. There are going to be a bunch of different decisions like this that that come up. All right. So we didn't say it there, but there's another part where he discusses the um, meta transparency oversight board. And he references it and says specifically that the oversight board, and we'll see, maybe I'll be able to get the, get the clip up here for us. Cause I, th I, again, I think this is one of the most important things that he said. Um, here we go. I think I got it. So let's, let's see if we can watch this and, and kind of celebrated, um, free expression advocate. And he helped me set the thing up. Yeah. So here it is. So let's go ahead and watch this. We'll just watch it when it's facing the right way. If you're watching the video, it's like upside down right now. <laughs> so um, here it is. This is Mark Zuckerberg talking about the, you know, misinformation or the, the government or the oversight board, basically. So if you can appeal something, right, you can, uh, if, if something goes wrong, according to him, and, and they take down one of your videos and they, they say that it's misinformation, you have the right to appeal it. And according to him, it's a, a large number of cases. So let, let's hear his exact words and then we'll discuss it. And I, I think like setting up forms of governance around that are independent of us, that basically 
get the final say on a bunch of these decisions, um, and that's that's a step in the right direction. I mean, in in the the Hunter Biden case that you talked about before, you know, I don't want our company to decide what's misinformation and what's not. So we work with with third parties and basically let different different organizations do that. Now, I mean, then you. All right, so that's the same one. Let's see if we can get the other one here. And this is what we're going to be ending this on here because I, I think this is probably to me the most this like important, hurts me right because the most important discussion to happen on this one is the discussion about the governance board. So let's see if this is it. Like when we when we take down something that that we're not supposed to, I mean that that is like. Oh, I, I mean that's the oh, worst. I mean that's like discern? it's so terrible. like how like say like these Christian Facebook pages. I, I don't know how they found out that nineteen of twenty were fake, but if someone just says I am Bob Smith and mm -hmm. they post as Bob Smith and they have a photograph and they, but really what they're doing is trying to uh, talk shit about Joe Biden and get people to vote Republican in the midterms. Like how, what, how do you know? whether someone's real or not like this is the big argument with elon mm -hmm. and twitter because elon asked twitter like what percentage of your yeah. website is filled with bots and they say five percent and he says i don't believe you i think it's higher and let's find out how you've come to this conclusion yeah and you know they're uh, i believe they said that they just took a hundred random twitter pages and looked at the interaction and there's some sort of yeah. an algorithm they applied to it but how do you discern yeah, so I mean, I think estimating the overall prevalence is is one thing, but I think that the question of you know, looking at a page and is this page authentic, I think that there's a bunch of signals around that. One of the things that we try to do is for large pages, we try to make sure that we know who the admin of that page is. We don't necessarily, if you should be able to run an anonymous page. You don't necessarily need to out yourself and say who you are running it, but we want to make sure that we sort of have like an identity for that person on file so that way we know, like at least behind the scenes, that that person is real. Um, for certain political things, I think having a sense of what country they're originating from, I mean, some of that you can do just by looking at where their server traffic comes from, like as the, or coming from someone who's a valid, be overly aggressive and capture a higher percent of the bad guys, but then around this stuff, and when it gets to some of the stuff that we talked about before, it's like, I don't think that this stuff is black and white or that you're ever going to have like a perfect AI system. Um, I think it's all trade-offs all the way down, right? And it's, and, and you, you could either, you could build a system and you can either be overly aggressive and capture a higher percent of the bad guys, but then also by accident take out some number of good guys, or you could be a little more lenient and um, say, okay, no, the cost of taking out any number of good guys is too high. So we're going to tolerate having you know, just a, a little bit more, uh, like more bad guys on the on the system. These are values questions. Well, the real question is who is the good guy and who is the bad guy and who are you to say is either, right? Because that's the real question. You don't get to determine who's a good guy and who's a bad guy and then determine who gets to speak and who, who doesn't get to speak, especially when it comes to political topics, because that's everything that we're discussing here is politics everything, all of the division, all of the divisiveness, right? If you really want to go after the bad guys, go after the pedophiles that you're trying to normalize when you're on the, the extreme left side of things, right? It's, it's, it's not about who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. It's who's determining who's the good guy and who's determining who's the bad guy and why. 
And what are your motivations, right? And we've seen when it comes to meta that it's a vast, vast leaning to the left of what's the good guy and a vast leaning, leaning to the right of who's the bad guy. And that's why you see all of these pages like mine hit large numbers and then immediately get shadow banned. Right. And there's there's like a certain like level that you can get to where maybe you, you kind of escape that because you're too big and the public outcry will be too much. But, you know, I, I think that's uh, why a lot of people end up moving with networks at this point is because if you are on the, the, the not the left, you can get silenced pretty easily and then completely lose your platform, um, which we've seen a lot of people have happen. And I believe he does mention the governance board, which I'll mention here in a second. But he says we have a large portion that goes through this and, and we'll see if he can hit that point here. And there's a minute left in this clip. Right around what, what do you value more? Um, and and those are those are super tricky questions. And part of what I've struggled with around this is I didn't get into this to basically judge those things. I got into this to design technology that helps people connect, right? It's like, mm-hmm. and, and like, the, I mean, you could probably tell and we spent the first hour talking about the metaverse and the future of basically building this whole technology roadmap to basically give people this realistic sense of presence. It's like, that's what I'm here to do, right? Um, so this whole thing that's like arbitrating what is okay and what is not, I, I obviously have to be involved in that because this is at some level, you know, I run the company and, um, and I, I can't just abdicate that. But, but I, I also don't think that as a matter of governance, you want all of that decision-making vested in one individual. So I think one of the things that you know, our country and our government gets right is the separation of powers. So you know, one of the things that I tried to create is we created this oversight board. It's an independent board where, that basically we, we appointed people whose kind of paramount value is free expression, but they also val- balance that with things like when is there going to be real harm to others um, in terms of safety or privacy or other other human rights issues. And, and basically that board people in our community can appeal cases to when they think that we got it wrong. And that board actually gets to make the final binding decision, not us. So in a way, I actually think that that is a more legitimate form of governance than having just a team internally that makes these decisions or, you know, maybe some of them go up to me, although I don't spend a ton of my time on on, on this on a day-to-day basis. But like, I think it's generally good to have some kind of separation of powers where you're architecting the governance so that way you you have different stakeholders and different people who can make these decisions. And it's not just like one private company that's making um, decisions even about what just happens on our platform. How do you guys handle things when they're... Okay, that is what I wanted you to hear. Mark Zuckerberg said that any of our users can appeal to the oversight board, which is complete bullshit. That's not true. Do you know how many cases the oversight board from Facebook and Meta has overseen in 2022? 12. 12 total cases the oversight board has seen. That's not every user having the ability to appeal to an oversight board. And the only reason that they go, like even if you can, you can go to transparency.facebook.com slash oversight. Then you can look at all of the oversight board cases which have been seen. And you can look at why they were seen. And half of them are post with a photo of a topless individual and shirts for sale. A veiled threat of violence based on lyrics from a drill rap song. 
post from a news outlet discussing the Taliban government in Afghanistan and posts calling for violence in Ethiopia. None of these are hot button issues that people actually are having troubles with. They're small little subtle cases that they want to use as a way of showing that they're overseeing content. Whereas every single one of these cases has nothing to do with what the general public is seeing on a day-to-day -day basis. And you and I do not have the ability to do this oversight board. And even if you do, you have to click a button that gives them access to all of the information ever attached to your account ever. So the only way to be seen by this oversight board is by giving up to Meta all of the data that they already have, plus some that you don't want them to have. Even more. So there's been, first of all, there's been 12 total cases seen by the oversight board. So he just lied. Yeah, you have the ability to, like you have the fucking ability to win the lottery, you idiot. You actually literally have a better chance statistically of winning the lottery than you actually get of seeing your case go to the oversight board of Meta. So no, we do not have the ability to have what what to to have our cases appealed rightfully. No. No way. With how many appeals are happening, I appealed like I reposted a picture by Tim Kennedy that was two Taliban leaders that when when the day that Biden bombed whatever one it was or hit him with these like uh flying drone knives that shredded him, which is a wild uh actual weapon that's a real thing. Um but anyways, that immediately got flagged. I pressed appeal, which is not the appeal board oversight board that he's talking about. I pressed appeal and immediately got a response back. So our AIs thought it was wrong. Our AI thought it was wrong again. You no longer can post for 30 days or whatever it was. It's crazy. So no, we don't have access to this appeal board. No, you're full of shit, Mark Zuckerberg. And the only reason that you went on to the Joe Rogan podcast was to try and peddle your new products because you know nobody wants to buy your shit because you're so full of it. You're Because you're making the American people censor themselves in the general public when talking about real political issues that they believe in that aren't wrong. Like the fact that I'm getting silenced tells you everything you need to know about this. I'm not saying anything crazy here. You listen to the episode. I don't say anything nuts. I'm not racist. I'm not in the KKK. I'm not misogynistic. I'm not uh, xenophobe, whatever word you salad you want to put in there to try and point your finger at people and say that they should be silenced. I'm very non-controversial in the most things that I say. I research stuff. I talk about it. I play clips. We discuss it. That's it. Nothing I'm saying is ridiculous. Nothing I'm saying is over the top, but you can't even find my account if you type it into the search bar. So don't throw your like little, your PR publicity stunt here trying to act like you're not a, a robot wrapped in sheepskin. Because <laughs> I see right through it, Mark Zuckerberg. We know who you are. All right. Anyways, so on that note, guys, I hope that you found some of that interesting. Um, I hope that you maybe learned a little bit more about UFOs and cloud seeding today, <laughs> if anything. Um, but anyways, I appreciate you so much. Head over to the website, redpillrevolution.co. Sign up for life insurance. Seriously, it would mean the world to me. You need it. Um, and it could support me. It could support the show. Um, I appreciate it. So anyways, I hope you have a great day. I hope you have a great week. Sign up for the Substack. Uh, subscribe, five-star review, all the things. Do them. And I hope you have a great week and welcome to the revolution. Thank you.